back to Rough in the Basket, episode number seven. And we got to start off the show just by saying, what the heck is going on with the Celtics? What the heck is going on with the Celtics, man? We we had Jason on the podcast not that long ago, about three weeks ago, I believe, two weeks ago, maybe. Something like that, more or less. We're talking about the Celtics. They look to be a pretty good team. And all of a sudden, they are 15 and 17. They have the same record as the New York Knicks, to put it in perspective, who, uh, you know, props to them. They're playing They're playing a lot better than people anticipated they would play, regardless of the fact they're 15 and 17. It's a major W for the, the Knicks. However, for the Celtics, that is not a big win for them. They are, they are struggling to just get back to 500. And for, for those of you that don't know, 500 is a term to describe a team that has more wins than losses. If they have the same amount of wins and losses, they're 500. If they have more wins than losses, then they are over 500. So just a little term terminology I want to throw out there. But, but anyways, going back to the Celtics, they are struggling, to say the least. I mean, and what, what's the reason behind this, right? I'm trying to figure this out myself because on paper, there's not that much different about the Celtics from last year to this year. They got rid of Gordon Hayward or Gordon Hayward left in free agency, whatever way you want to put it. He's no longer part of the team anymore. But you take away you take away Gordon Hayward, and this team still looked like they were going to be a competitive team. They still looked like they were going to um, – if, if it was hypothetically an 82-game season, which it is not this season due to coronavirus, but hypothetically, if it was an 82-game season – they would probably win more or less 50 games, maybe maybe 52. That's how it looked like. Now it's looking like they're barely going to get to 43, 42 wins. And I don't, I don't believe that this notion, that this um, idea that the Celtics are going to be under 500, I don't believe there's much relevance to it. I do believe they will finish the season over 500. A big part of it, um, and for a lot of people that don't follow basketball that much, and they might just see the Celtics are two games under 500, the Celtics have two more losses than wins right now, is due to the fact that Marcus Smart is out. Um, now, I have to put that out there. He's been out since the start of February. He was injured in the game in, at the end of January. They were playing the Los Angeles Lakers. And he got injured in the game, and he's been out for a little bit. And in that time, they have gone five wins and nine losses. They have four more losses than wins. And I think that's signaling right now that Marcus Smart plays a huge role in that team. And people need to stop doubting Marcus Smart, even though he does take a lot of very dumb three-pointers, even though he's not that great on offense sometimes, even though he makes – uh, poor decisions sometimes on the offensive end. On the defensive side of the ball, he plays such a big role. Such a big role. And they're missing that right now. Uh, the Celtics aren't playing defense with a lot of energy. Um, and, and so far this season, they have lost eight games to teams that are below 500. That teams that have more losses than wins. They have lost eight games already to those types of teams. Now, last season, they lost nine games to teams that had more losses than wins, only nine times that happened. Now, the season's still young. A lot can happen. But I am extremely disappointed in the Boston Celtics. And even more so, I have to say I am extremely disappointed in Danny Ainge. Extremely disappointed in him. And this is the first time I've ever said that. Danny Ainge, for those of you that don't know, is the general manager of the Celtics. He's the one that drafts the players, signs the players, trades the players. And 
he has in a lot of people's eyes done a great job with Boston built the big three a while back years ago, 10, uh, 15 years ago now with um, Paul Pierce, with Kevin Garnett, with Ray Allen, and they went on to win a championship and they made it to another finals appearance. And that was it for the big three jump ahead. He had two back-to-back years of the draft in which he was selecting players coming out of college where he was able to draft Jalen Brown, who is a emerging superstar. And he was able to also draft Jason Tatum, who is as well an emerging superstar. He's already at superstar status. So why is this team so bad if they have two superstars? I have to, I have to ask myself that because I'm, I'm genuinely confused. And I think a lot of it goes back to the fact that they just don't have that much talent around them. They don't. You know, like I said, the start of the show, their roster last season was good enough to get them to the semifinals. They, they made it six games with the Heat. The Heat ended up beating them and the Heat went on to the championship and lost ultimately to the Lakers. But they were that good that they were able to at least compete and try to make it to the NBA finals last year, which was it looked like the Celtics were a team on the rise. It looked like. This is a young, young team, and they're already making it to almost the finals. They're almost winning a championship, keyword almost. But now it's looked like it's looking like they took a step back. And I believe that Mark Smart coming back will make a difference. I believe they will. Um, most likely by the 40-game mark, they will have 20 wins and 20 losses, which still isn't great, but they're not going to be, I can assure you, they will not finish the season with more win, with more losses than wins. But – I, I think, you know, shame on Danny Ainge, the guy that is building this team, because he did not do anything in the offseason. He did not do a single thing to improve this team. And I think that is uh, very unfortunate. You know, you see the Lakers who were in the finals last year, won the finals. They went out there and they tried to improve their team. They tried to bring in guys like Dennis Schroeder, Montreal Harrell, two guys who were coming off the bench last year who – were extreme contributors to their team. And the Lakers also got Marc Gasol, who has contributed this year too for that team. You know, basically what I'm trying to say is that if you if you are stagnant with your roster, if you don't improve on your roster, if you don't improve with what you already have, you are bound to fail. Now I've seen this happen in the past with past teams where they where they think, oh, we have enough players. We don't have to do anything. You know, we, we have the talent. And then they, they fizzle out the next year. They, they don't do as well the next year. They suffer. And I've seen that time and time again. And I think this is a very good showing um, for that, again, that if you don't improve your roster in the offseason, this is what can happen. No? Uh, and, and I think also a very large part of the, the Celtics' doom and agony this season has been due to Kemba Walker, you know, I can't blame him. I, I can't, I can't say this is all his fault. It, it, it's his body's fault. You know, his body is giving out. He's not the Kemba Walker we saw a few years ago. He's not explosive like he once was. He's only shooting a little bit over 37% field goal. You know, he's not playing very good at this moment. He's only hitting about 34% from the three. Yeah. And this team, if you look at their stats and go through their stat line and, and yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Stats don't mean everything. All right. You know, there's plays that, especially in basketball, that players make that they don't have a stat for it, you know, uh, effort, leadership. Those don't go on the stat sheet. 
However, if a team is good more times than not, at least they will be, there will be some kind of indicator in the stats that they are playing good, that they are um, one of the best three-point shooters, one of the best defensive um, units. They're allowing the fewest points. They're, they're blocking the ball more than other teams. They're, um, you know, a, a numerous amount of stats to prove this point. And unfortunately, with the Boston Celtics, they are not impressive at all statistically. Their, their best, best stat in comparison to other teams in the NBA, they're ranked 11th in blocks, and that is the highest that they are ranked in the NBA teams out of any category. You go down this list, points scored a game, 111 points. That's 18th, all right? A field goal percentage, 46%, 16th in the NBA. They're not shooting the ball that good. They're not shooting it like an elite team. Free throw percentage, 21st in the NBA. Three-point percentage, 13th in the NBA. Um, you, you know, you keep going down. Assist per game is 28th in the NBA. They're not passing the ball enough. That's another big part of it. They're not sharing the rock enough. They're not getting those open looks. And they're not closing out on defense. They've played very lackluster defense. You know, I, I watched a game the other day when they were facing the Hawks. I'm not talking about the game that they lost last night against the Hawks. They've lost, you know, uh, they've played the Hawks, I think, three times in the last, like, six games or something like that, more or less. And uh, they have lost three, uh, two out of three games that they've played the Hawks. And the Hawks haven't looked that good. You know, I, I have faith still that the Hawks are going to heat up. But, you know, it's just so disappointing to see this team that, that we thought was in the rise with the Celtics just falter so much. I, I genuinely believe they need to make a move. I, I believe they need to get somebody in there, some kind of experience, some kind of veteran to turn this ship around, to make things right. And I don't think this is going to happen overnight, but with Marcus Smart coming back, that is going to make a difference, you know, and, and hopefully next week, you know, I'll have more news on the Celtics. Um, but I do, I do want to get into some other stuff. I do want to talk a little bit more about other things, but one last comment I want to make on the Celtics is I do not believe in this point of time. It is Brad Steven, their head coach fault. I don't, I don't believe that at all. I believe this rides um, very, this runs very heavy on the shoulders of Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge has unfortunately made mistakes by not improving this roster. And we're seeing it right now. Last place, their division, they're struggling. But with that being said, I want to move on. I want to change topics. And I want to talk about another team in the NBA. You know, I, I talked about the Jazz a few weeks ago. And last night, they absolutely destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers. Destroyed them. And it wasn't even close. It was it was embarrassing, you know. And uh, right now, Anthony Davis, he is injured, and he is he's out right now, playing a huge part on why the Lakers are playing very bad basketball. But the Jazz are legit. I'm gonna say that you know, I I think that there is a chance then the playoffs still they don't get as far as they would like to. But the Jazz are they're a very good team. They play at their own pace. And I think what they're doing is extremely, extremely impressive. And with that being said, um, I think that they're they're competitive. Um, I wanted to bring that up real quick, but, you know, I talked about the Jazz last week. I didn't want to spend too much time on them. The next team that I want to talk about is the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns right now have won nine out of their last ten. They are getting hot as well. And I think, I, I believe that they are also legit, you know, that they – are a threat 
in the Western Conference. Now, I, I don't put them up there with the Jazz. I don't put them up there with the Lakers. I don't put them up there with the Clippers, mainly because they have not proved themselves yet. They haven't shown that they are the team that is a, a top dog mentality, you know. And I say that because Chris Paul has never gotten to the NBA Finals in his career. You know, Devin Booker is still very young, very disrespected player. Um, should have been an all-star this year. He was not. And it's very sad, very sad. I, I wish that he was an all-star because he definitely deserves it. And, uh, you know, it's shame on those coaches and, and general managers that voted for him not to be an all-star because, you know, the numbers indicate that he is an all-star. So far this season, he's averaging 25 points a game, four assists, on 50% field goal shooting. How is that not an all-star, you know? The alternative route that the coaches ended up doing was that they ended up voting in his teammate, Chris Paul, as an all-star. Chris Paul is playing great basketball. Um, he's averaging about 17 points a game, eight assists, shooting on almost 49% field goal percentage. However, I don't believe that he's on the same level as Devin Booker right now. And I, I believe that he, Devin Booker simply should be an all-star. But now I, I want to talk about the Suns. What are they doing right right now? What What is it that they are getting right? And I, I think that it is a numerous amount of factors. And, um, you know, some of these things are, are just that they've played consistent basketball. They've been able to play consistently. And a, a, big, a big category is that their assist turnover ratio is second in the NBA. Second in the NBA, they're shooting very efficiently. They're sixth in field goal percentage, second in free throw percentage. Hitting your free throws is huge in the NBA nowadays when there's so many, um, so many fouls committed. And I, I'm not ready to declare this team um, a title contender, but I am ready to say that they are definitely competitive and they will make the playoffs in the Western Conference. Now, I, I want to transition over to the NFL. Just real quick, um, we only got a few minutes left in this podcast, but one team that I want to focus on right now, one one um, concept that's very intriguing to me is the Carson Wentz trade. You know, if you're a sports fan of any kind, you will you would have heard that Carson Wentz got traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, yeah, I I believe that this trade was a big win for the Colts and a big loss for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now the Eagles, the Eagles a few years back, four years, five years ago when they drafted Carson Wentz. Now they ended up trading for the second overall pick in the 2016 draft to acquire Carson Wentz, to draft Carson Wentz out of college. And the Browns, the Cleveland Browns got the number eighth pick in return. They got the number 77th pick in return. They got the number 100th pick in return, fourth round pick. They got a 2017 first round pick and a 2018 second rounder. And the only, the only acquisition that the Eagles got back, the only um, compensation that the Eagles got back for Carson Wentz was a 2021 third round draft pick and a 20. 22 second round pick that could potentially turn into a first round pick depending on how Carson Wentz does there and uh, Carson Wentz is reuniting 
with his head coach, his uh, former offensive coordinator, Frank Reich, he is very excited to play for him. And um, as you guys know, Carson Wentz had a very rough year last year, struggled um, tremendously, and he did not play well at all. He had 15 interceptions. He was sacked, I believe, more than any other quarterback in the NFL. If not, he was in the top three. And he did not perform up to the standards that the Eagles thought that he would perform to. And he was benched. After signing a four-year contract extension, he was benched. Now, I believe there was a number of factors that did not go his way in Philadelphia. For one, he did not have a good wide receiver core at all. If you go through that roster, they had nobody, no no recognizable names on that offense um, besides Deshaun Jackson, but he didn't have his best year last year. He's getting up there in age. And then you take away Deshaun Watson, you take away him. I mean, you really don't have any that well-known names on the offensive side of the ball, at least throwing the ball to them. You know, wide receiver-wise, they, they had almost nobody. And, you know, it's a shame. Carson Wentz had very a very good run in Philadelphia. They did win a Super Bowl under him, although he did get injured. And ultimately, Nick Foles ended up winning the Super Bowl instead of Carson Wentz. But um, under Carson Wentz that season, they were a first in the NFL at the time he got injured. And Carson Wentz has had overall a very productive career up until this point. He has 113 touchdowns, 50 interceptions, has a QB rating of 39, uh, 89% rather. And he's been able to complete about 63% of his passes. So with that being said, I mean, from, from 2017 to 2019, just to put it in perspective, he, ha- he was able to throw for a grand total of 81 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. So he can clearly throw the ball. You know, if they, just, if they put the right players around him in Indianapolis, which they will do because Indianapolis wants to win now, they were able to win a very good amount of games with Phillip Rivers. I believe they're going to be able to sustain that success with Carson Wentz and they're going to win the division this year, even though free agency hasn't happened yet, even though the NFL draft hasn't happened yet. I'm willing to say it right now, they're going to end up winning the division. It's going to be interesting to see how this season unfolds, how the rest of the offseason unfolds next week. I'm going to get into a lot more about NFL rumors. Um, I heard some interesting news today about Russell Wilson, which I'm going to get into more next week. Um, More on Deshaun Watson, more on other guys, Matt Ryan, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, some other guys that could potentially be traded at the quarterback position. Quarterback position is the most crucial position in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And next week, we're going to be able to talk a lot more about that. But I wanted to, before I go, I want to say follow the Instagram, Roughing the Basket. And also next week, going to have a guest on. It's going to be a good time. So you're going to want to listen to that. But I appreciate all the support. And you guys listening, take care and have a great week. And I will see you next time on Roughing the Basket podcast.